because you can practice, you know, misdirecting people and then, you know, satisfying that same setup with something that's exaggerated. And then you'll get better at it. And then when you get better at it, they start to occur to you naturally the way it does for us organic comics. Greetings, everyone. Come on in and have a seat up front for the Funny Muscle Podcast. If you're here, then you're looking to learn how to create laughs like a pro. So please help me welcome to the stage your co-host to help you do that, economics professor and open micro Chris Stifler and comedian turned author Mike Lucas. So. But, but the way the way you like fastly rolodex through all the hiding devices, and that, this is what we did last last time I talked to you. We threw out all the hiding devices to my uh, plain PDA bit, and we kind of showcased how you take a twenty minute, twenty second, you know, idea and make it into a three minute bit by anthropomorphizing the seats or the flying birds, or you wrote the scene from a different perspective, or you threw a metaphor at it, or you did a bait and switch, or you you know tried to do a positive to a negative or a solution device. And right. like, I think you showed the audience how well you your brain for twenty five you know year comic does it, but can, like today can we like go through some of those heightening devices and actually spell out what anthropomorphizing is or what an extension yeah. is or what um, let, let's take some of those heightening devices and just um, really dive into like two or three. Yeah, sure. Anyone you want, and and the, that's what I do in, in in the book too that I do. What I think is really fun about that book is I go through all 36 humor heightening devices and I apply them to a premise and a setup that I use in the beginning. And I show 36 different ways to heighten it and to answer that how blank is it question. And then what happens is by the end of that, you have a pile of material to choose from. And that's you know, my, what my promise, one of my promises from these books is you'll, by the end of it, you'll, you'll be able to develop a five minute set that you can use to audition for more sets and more work with. And that's how you do that. You, you, you apply these heightening devices over and over and over again. And then from that, you look at what you came up with and you see which ones best reflect and show, not tell your comedy lens. So for me, it would be like, well, you know, some of these are funny, but they don't really reflect the clumsy Aspie hole aspect, like sort of the backfiring aspect of my perfectionism, you know, and, and then some others did. And it, and, it, and, it, and it made fun of the thing I like to make fun of. And so I, I choose those and I don't choose the other ones. And it's the same for you. You know, your, um, you know, economics professor um, take on these things is going to involve a different view of them. So the ones that you like and one that, that fit into your act are right. going to appeal to you and the other ones they might be funny but you might you know someone else might use them better than you and you might not even like them because you know but and you'll know you'll know the feeling when you're about to tell the joke you, you'll know the ones that you're excited about telling and it's usually because those that reflect your lens the, the clearest and those get the biggest laughs because people recognize that they're like oh that's this guy i get it so yeah anyway yeah, let's go through some lenses or some uh, heightening devices and we can we can sort of um give examples of um of what those are let me let me see if I can run this. So what I did was uh, yeah. I took a Wanda Sykes bit about annoying kids on a plane, and I ran it through your blueprint. And I, you know, I, in front of me is that my label here: bit name, premise, setup, norm, violate the norm, and jokes. And I kind of tried to put that bit into that format. Oh, nice. Um, so I have like bit name. I call it annoying kid on plane, and there's a lot of setup to it. But basically, Wanda uh, Wanda Sykes' comedy lens is she doesn't tolerate BS. Um, yeah, I have her as a divulger of thoughts normally kept private. Okay. So, same, so she, same kind of thing. Yeah. But that, and that's the thing, uh, too, is funny is, is we both take a stab at Wanda's 
comedy lens, they may or may not be what she thinks of as her own comedy lens. And, and it, it, it's what we, our impression is of based on listening and, and enjoying her material. So, so we're not necessarily wrong, but we're also not necessarily right. And we have to keep that in mind whenever we talk about other comics lenses. You have to always remember you can take a stab at them, but that doesn't mean you got it and nailed it. And that doesn't mean that they would even agree with you. But a lot of comics don't even look at their own lens because it's so organic. They don't want to dissect their frog and, and ruin it. And, and you know what I mean? So so what we're doing is sort of like a professorial sort of exercise. But anyway, go ahead. So your your um, bit name is Annoying Kids. That's good. And then, um, okay, so the premise, though, is um, I like that people think they can come up and talk to me. That's her premise. That's her first um, premise. That's what she gets people to... Um, but sometimes is her setup and the setup, you know, for her, the normal thing that she's, you know, sometimes um, uh, I might not be in the mood to hear it. So um, it might be a good idea for you to check better and listen. Uh, sometimes what you have to say isn't something that's important to me because I'm focusing on my career right then. And, then, and, then, and I might not receive it that well. So these are like, she, she says, I like that people come up, you know, and then we, the norm that we're, she's heading towards is, is all of those. But then the, um, the, the, what she says is, but don't. So it's a it's a it's a bait and switch. Instead of a long answer that that's that satisfies the setup that she gave us, it's a quick one. And so it's like we don't expect it. So it doesn't get a big laugh, but that's her first laugh in this bit. And that's the um that that punchline, don't. And then that that is almost a little bit of a recognition laugh of of if we already know who Wanda is a little bit, we get why she's like, oh boy, Wanda does not want that. And then we laugh because of a recognition of who she is and what she's like or must be like with somebody who's annoying that's coming up to her. So that's how I would, uh, you know, that, that'd be how I'd break down that first one using the humor blueprint. And I, I, I noticed like you set uh, the premise a lot of times I've noticed you'll take a premise and you're, you're thinking of a premise as like a thematic thing. The premise is literally the words that you say, like, do you say the premise? You, you um, announce the premise um, boy dogs. And do I just got a new dog and I've noticed some th things about um, how puppies eat. That's a premise. I mean, and, and, and it's in the premise isn't, you know, um, in colon uh, dogs, the premise is that sentence that I just said. And, and, you need to have that sentence in your act when you begin to 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 start your joke. It's it gets everybody on board. Now I like that people feel they can come up and talk to me. Says Wanda Sykes. So now we get that this is this is a bit about her privacy being infringed upon, basically. So 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 she's set us up to understand that she wants to talk for a little while now about her world getting interrupted by us <laughs> fans, you know, people. Who, who have it's funny we all have the nerve like we think that just because we exist that she's going to want to talk to us that she's going to want to hear us repeat her our favorite jokes of hers back to her she's going to want to hear the fact that my cousin likes her she's going to want to hear the fact that i saw her three cities away and that i remember that <laughs> and, and and she might she might want to it, it, but she might not want to because she might be in the middle of her life and, and you know so it's kind of funny how that's that but that's the premise that she's bringing up is all those considerations and now by just saying that one sentence i feel like people i, I like that people feel they can come up and talk to me so there's a bit of sarcasm in that almost, you know, but yet it, there's a bit of um, like feigned sincerity. I like that that happened. Do you really, Wanda? Do you like that? Because I don't think you do. Because right away she goes, well, don't. So it's fun, right? So then her next premise would be, I was on a plane 
And this flight attendant walks up and she goes, oh, Miss Sykes, this is Bobby. Bobby is flying by himself today. And that could be right there. That could be the uh, the new premise, which is, again, you can you can say that, well, the old premise is that, that it, people come up to talk to me. Now we've got a, a specific example. So the new premise is saying, I was on a plane. And then the setup is the flight attendant walks up and goes, this is Bobby and Bobby's flying by himself today. So the normal thing would be, um, and he saw that you, he's a fan of yours and he just wanted to say hi. He wanted an autograph. Um, he he um, he was nervous, uh, but he wanted to tell you um, something about his mom loves loves your act, whatever. So that's sort of not, but it's not. It's Wanda Sykes. She's, she's going to heighten that. So it's a it's a again a little bit of a bait and switch. We're going to sit him next to you. Ah, fuck. you know, like that's yeah. sort of like the implication is, um, you know, well, don't, you know, I, I we want him to sit next to me. Well, don't is, is is the same thing. And then well, obviously, and then so so her first comment is well obviously bobby's parents don't give a fuck about him so what do you expect from me so that's a really funny uh, contrast he's like if his if his parents don't even care enough to show up on this plane and take care of him and 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 conversate with him to keep him busy for this you know long flight then why should i have to and then you know i'm wanda sykes i don't give a shit about this kid so so you know so that that's a funny um, contrast. What do you expect from me? And then she, do I look like the air nanny? So now she's created air nanny. Well, instead of an um, air marshal, she's the air nanny. So she's done a play on words, um, a recognition laugh. She's done a um, what's that called? Were, were you uh, like a, um, a TV parody or um, a, a name um, parody TV show, movie or song? So she's created this fake sort of um air nanny like that could be a show that could be a title that could be anything but she's created it so now you know, you know it, through a recognition laugh of air marshal now it's a it's a frog bank it's a combination of two worlds it's it's air marshal meets i'm now watching this kid and i don't want to so there's you know some sarcasm in it as well and then her thing is um i don't want to be bothered i want to sit here and read my book you know, and, that, and that's, you know, kind of overstating the obvious, you know, that she's sort of saying what, what should she shouldn't even have to say. So so but and it probably doesn't get a big laugh, but Bobby wanted to talk the whole fucking flight. So so she's again, it's another contrast. I want to sit here. I want to read my book. Bobby wants to do this. And so there's a contrast there that, that's funny because we know Wanda. Wanda says shit that, you know, most people only keep to themselves. And she's not happy about this situation. And so now she's contrasting what Bobby wants and what she wants. So now she's setting up herself for this whole next thing. I put my iPod on, figuring Bobby get the hint. Bobby kept talking, talking, and tapped me on my shoulder. I was like, see, this is why you're flying by yourself. So again, it's it's that that's overstating the obvious. It's um, it's um, you know, uh, an act out. So it's a you know, a um sort of a it's kind of kind of cut over to me telling Bobby the truth. And then, um, you know, uh, no one will accompany your little ass. So she's her whole idea in this bit is there's a reason why this kid's by himself. That like, like, like if if he was loved and if he was well behaved, he'd have parents with him, kind of a thing. And so, so that's kind of a bit of a Wanda Sykes thing because you know a lot of people send their kids on a flight and they love their kids. It's just they have to do it that way. But in her mind, because of her situation, she was like those parents. They're making me do their job. So that's what part of where her humor comes from. That's part of her. We these are the things we never really say out loud. But if we're on a flight and someone sticks their damn kid next to me, I wish I could say that. Well, now we can because we remember Wanda Sykes bit on this. Ain't nobody waiting for you on the other end. That that's really funny. Now now she's actually 
you know, making up a, a thing that's scaring this kid, you know, because she's like heightening the idea of, um, you know, how little do your parents want you? They, they sent you on this flight, made a stranger babysit you, and now there's going to be no one waiting for you on the other end. That's how much, you know. So it's, um, and I started thinking because my favorite show is Lost. I was like, what if this plane goes down? So now she's doing a a, a cut forward to in, in, a, in a, like sort of a, a like a fantasy act out of, of uh, like a, maybe a problem solved. You know, this, she's going to eat this kid. Like, okay, well, you know, or, or this is a negative into a positive. Well, because the thing is, is, um, you know, what if this plane goes down? It's just me and Bobby. I'm going to eat him and I'll eat him up. First bite would be the vocal cords, right? The call back to what's bothering her about this kid. He's talking too much. So I'm going to bite your cords first. So it's funny. It's clever. But and it's also a negative into a positive, right? It wasn't negative. I got this little bratty kid, just chubby kid talking next to me all flight. Now I need food and sustenance because we've crashed. I've got Bobby. He's a perfect meal. So now she's sarcastically turned a negative into a positive. So you can see Wanda Sykes is brilliant. She's using a bunch of different um, heightening devices, combining them together and creating this whole world now of lost and now now we've taken that positive that she's created and now we're going to turn it into a negative because she's like dude we just we just got stranded two minutes ago why why are you eating a kid why are you resorting to cannibalism so quickly so now it's it's a funny reverse on what she just did now we've taken that positive and turned it back into a negative oops i i i uh, i ate the kid too fast my bad you know so that's a real funny it's you know uh, you can see the fucking IHOP from here. What's your problem? You know, so, you know, how, how awkward is it that I ate this kid too quickly? And, you know, while well, I can see the IHOP, why, you know, you have a problem, not him, you know? So, so yeah, so that's a great bit. That's, that has a lot of different heightening devices in it. And you can see how she combines them together. And the whole time she's using her lens, which is, I'm going to say the stuff that most people would keep to themselves, you know, and, 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 um, and, and you will love me for it. But that's a divulging of thoughts normally kept private. Um, it, you'll love me for it because um, we all wish we could be so honest about these struggles, but we can't because we're polite. We're in society. We're not clever enough. No, we're not funny enough to say it the way Wanda does. She's the way she goes on this. She's heightening and it's right, right according to her lens and according to her delivery style. So we love her for it because it's, it makes us be able to laugh at kind of like cruelty to this kid. Yeah. So when she says rescue people show up like, ma'am, what are you doing? Hey, you're allowed to eat people when you survive a plane crash. I didn't know how long I was going to be stranded out here. Stranded, ma'am. Your flight went down three minutes ago. You were flying from Chicago to Nashville. You can see the F and I pop from here. What is your problem? That looks like a bait and switch. Uh, so today, can we? Uh, can you give me the background about bait and switch, how they work? And let's talk about how they work. Sure. And the bait and switch is kind of like um, you call that, uh, I, I call that the um, the misleading game. You know, and um, you're basically you're setting them up to think you're about to talk about something and then you're very quickly make them realize, no, that whole time we're talking about something totally different. We're talking about and then the, the different thing is typically funny because it's something, um, you know, I, um, I punched the guy in the face because he was being an asshole and someone and, and, and then he said, you know, um, and then I said, you know, Father O'Leary, it, it serves you right or whatever. Oh, it was a priest. So it's typically like you're switching at the last second into something that there's no way that you um, you you would have ever done that to that thing. Or, or um, you know, I I, um, I I kept wetting the bed and they finally kicked me out of Walmart, you know, um, furniture section, you know, or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. oh, I get it. I thought you were at your home doing it, but now you're at this other place, you know. So a lot of bait and switches are that. It's it's. um. 
So this is similar to the bait and switch that we worked on last time with my plain PDA bit, where we talked about the couple making out in my row, and you thought they were in seat one and seat two, but the switch was they were actually in seat one and seat three, and I was in the middle of them. Exactly, and that it's it's what it, it's a compare and contrast device. It's, it's like um, it. I say in the book, I say it's often funny when you compare or contrast two things side by side, especially if you can find surprising ways in which these two worlds are exactly alike or completely different. And bait and switch is a way to take two worlds that are kind of alike but aren't. You know, like the the idea of you being in the middle or you being on the end are the same world but different, right? You know, it's it's one of them is very awkward for you and one of them is like it's none of your business now. You know, if there's two people making out next to you, it's different than people making out over you. For her, it, 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 there's a big difference between the world of I was stuck in, Wanda Sykes is stuck um, on a plane crash on an island for a month and she's starving versus I just landed, you know, um, a crash landed and I'm already eating somebody, you know, like, you know, and, and I can see an IHOP. So there's, there's other, there's all... There's something out uh, um, uh, alternatives, <laughs> you know, that are right there. As a comic, though, how do you write? Like, how do you tell people to write a bait and switch? Do, do you say like what? What's a reasonable person picturing when you say that word? Those words. What's the scene in their head? And then do you try to like figure out how the scene could be different but still, uh, you know, satisfy the initial setup? Yeah, here's how I put it in the book. I say this device sets up uh, us up to picture an obvious scenario, but then replaces it with a total shocker. So, so the, the I guess what you'd be looking for first is the obvious place, and then the shocker. You know, and uh, I said with a good bait and switch, an initial picture directly related to the setup is painted that seems to be leading to a fairly expected outcome. So again, that's the misdirection. You know, oh, we're thinking that she is uh, stranded on an island for like, and she and she sort of implies that with her wording. Then just when you think you know what's, where this is going, one of the main elements becomes something completely unexpected. The person giving you the finger turns out to be a baby. The guy cursing you out is actually a priest. You're seducing someone. Then we find out you're talking to your hand. So I said, and then I even give a warning. I say, this device can give some pretty cheap laughs if, if the switch seems forced or if it's usage at it all is like unjustified. So you have to be really careful with these bait and switches because it can be a very bum bump kind of a joke. Like I do, the example I use in the um, in the book is, uh, you know, have you ever heard of Gianmarco Ceresi? Uh, this he, he, funny, funny young comic. He does this. I call this blood splotch. But he says, my family was very squeamish about bodily functions. When I was a kid, I was in my parents' bedroom and I found on the carpet a little red splotch. Looking back, it was clearly blood. I asked my dad, what's that splotch? And he was like, oh, your mom can explain that to you when you're older. And sure enough, I got older and my mom told me that my dad used to hit her. Right. So so we're thinking it's her period, but it's actually she's bleeding because he's, she's being abused. And so it's a very dark joke. Obviously, that's but 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 if he's coming from that family, he can tell that joke because he was part of it. He was part of that. You know, if that's a real and, and he's a pretty legitimate comedian. So I'm guessing that there's some real truth to that joke. You know, um, he's he's pretty dark and you can tell he's, he talks about some real, real things. He's, he's real funny. That's a great bait and switch because that that one you don't see it coming. Right. And and when right. he does it and he delivers it, you know, it's just the same with Wanda Sykes. You really don't see it coming. And then you're um, pleased by the, the switch because you're like, ah, nice. You know, going back to what you said earlier, Mike, about how the crowd acknowledges a good move. They're laughing, but they're also clapping because they're appreciating the craft of the, of the stand up. Right. If you fooled them, if you, if you didn't give them one that was a real, um, oh, they telegraphed uh, it. You saw it coming. Yeah, if, if it feels cheap or it feels like you took a shortcut or you, 
you didn't like the, the the world you cut to isn't isn't the same as the one you set up so it feels like like you got robbed a little bit or if it feels too over the top like you know bait and switchy where where it's like you know father you know where you where you know you know it, people can take maybe resent that a little bit so that's why like but you know but we just saw two you know two pros use that to great effect and and there were no moans it was a real like this is like an applause break kind of a thing because it's when it's well done that bait and switch will really get you laughing and and surprised and that's the key to big laughs is you I, you just didn't see it coming that means that they set you up so well that your brain was somewhere else. And then they got you with something that was like, oh, and then when you say, I get it, it's like, I get how that still satisfies that setup. I get it. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, going through this exercise with you, Mike, it feels like I missed a bunch of the heightening devices that you can quickly identify. Like you just said, uh, the cut forward. Uh, what's a cut forward? It's where you create a scenario that would result from the setup. You're creating a scenario that in the future ha might happen based on sometime let me see let me get um okay so uh, cut forward to create a scenario that would result from the setup and then i said for this device the comedian imagines a situation that existed sometime after the joke takes place it's like with a cutback but this was can be like a conversation an activity an idea any scenario so long as it somehow connects to the setup's future so um the laughs come when you pick a cut forward to a situation that somehow results from the major struggle in the setup so meaning whatever was a problem, we cut forward to the result of how the world looks like because that problem existed. You know, so if it's um, uh, my my um, my kid is mouthing off to me a lot, cut forward to that kid when she's at a job where she's not she can't do that or cut forward to me allowing everybody to talk back to me because I don't have the guts to even tell my kid not to. You know, so now I'm I'm I'm, I'm at the hot dog stand getting berated for not knowing my toppings you know and i'm you know and so we see that that we you know we cut forward to me as that guy uh or, or maybe this future scenario explains how the struggles of the setup will affect different lives later so you can even you know cut forward to like a whole different thing that that, that results from like say um um, I trip over uh, my neighbor's fence. Well, we can cut forward to the lawsuit that you know where where the judge is 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 handing down the decree, um, or we can cut forward to my me at midnight setting up a trap that's going to make them trips because I'm not the only one that's going to be embarrassed in this neighborhood. You're going to look like a fool too. You know, you trip me, I trip you, my friend. You know, like like okay, that's a crazy one, but that's another cut forward to. And so, um, like the cut forward to I use in the book, I use an example of Bill Engvall. Have you have you ever heard Bill Engvall's bit about stupid people? It's classic, right? And um, he's like, guys, I just hate stupid people. They should have to wear signs. I'm stupid. That way, you wouldn't have to rely on them. And then he cut forwards to an approaching a stranger for help. Excuse me, can I? Oh, never mind. I didn't see your sign. So now that's a callback, but that's also a cut forward to. He establishes a thing, which is if you're dumb or stupid, you have to wear a sign. So then he cuts forward to a moment where that future exists, and then it helps him because he's trying to get help from somebody, but he realizes, oh, sorry, I didn't see your sign. And so he, again, he he shows, not tells. He didn't say, you are wearing, you know, he, he kind of shows that he, he um, oh, I didn't see your sign, shows that he, there was a moment there that he saw the thing. And um, now he's like, oh, it's like when you um, I didn't notice that you had a, a seeing eye dog. I'm sorry. I asked you, you know, if you could tell me where the bathrooms are and you're blind or you know, I asked you, what, how would you think of the concert and you're deaf? Sorry, I didn't see your hearing aids. It's like kind of that kind of a thing, you know, but I, but I didn't see your, your stupid. I'm stupid sign. My bad. Wow. The cut forward to is, is a great heightening device to use because 
especially if you're a comedian that likes to do act outs. Now, a lot of comedians are just wordsmiths. And so they like to do, you know, they're telling jokes that do a lot of play on words and do a lot of misinterpretations of words and and and, and, and a lot of a kind of kind of a, a one-liner kind of things. Other comedians like to do those jokes, but then they like to act out those jokes so that we can see even further what that looks like. And then they usually heighten it so it's it's sort of an exaggerated version of what it might be. And so these cut forward twos are just a great way to do that. You can cut forward to what like a scenario that ha- might happen because of the thing that you're talking about, you know. And what Wanda Sykes does that, she cuts forward to her crashing and having an emergency landing and and supposedly needing sustenance via Billy, you know. Yeah, okay. So like the last episode when we worked on that plane PDA bit, you you cut forward to the the three of us you know landing in atlanta or the three of us developing a relationship down the road or you cut forward to what the pilot would be saying or what you'd be saying at the uh luggage carousel cut, cut forward to the three of us like standing in line in the in the jetway waiting to leave you know awkwardly talking about what just happened or you know or cut forward to that couple um now needing that third person in their life after having experienced you and so you're getting phone calls from them constantly you know so cut forward to those phone calls or whatever you know so you could just it gets a, there's a million ways that you can cut forward to because that struggle is you know you, you could cut forward to all the different times when you are placed in the middle of an awkward situation like there could be um two people are arm wrestling but they doing it you know above you you know two people are um getting in a fight but they're you know but they're ha- they have to do it because and you're in the middle of it you know but there could be that that could be a good cut forward to like to show this always happens to me kind of a thing and exaggerating the the fact that you aren't you don't have enough confidence to to not to not allow that you know what i mean and, and so so therefore it keeps happening you know I like how, I guess I'm noticing how these heightening devices open up a bunch of avenues for which you to develop a story. Like, comics always think they need to tell a funny story, uh, you know, the story has to be funny, but actually it's like the cutaways or the or the hypotheticals that really make the story. Those are the flexes, that I call them the funny muscle flexes, and those are the things that, that surprise us because they're exaggerated, but they still make sense in how you set that up. And, and that's an important thing to remember is, like, when you're a comedian, half of what you say is dead serious. Half of what you say, you're trying to pretend like you're, okay, this time I'm not kidding. This time I'm just being dead serious. No, no I'm not. Okay, this time I'm really being dead. No, I'm not. And it's like, like that over and over again. And you, and, and the, the better you get at it, the less people notice that that's what's happening. But every time you know, Bill Burr or every time um, Kevin Hart or, um, you know, Dave Chappelle begins a new story. They're not like, hey, no, we're not, we're not. they're always like, OK, well, my wife is the, or you know what? Um, the other day I was walking down the street and and then and then it, it's like it's like, oh, he must be OK. Now he's going to be serious. OK. And then and then they misdirect us to think that it's going to keep being serious. And then they they flip a heighten on us in, in one of those devices. And then that exaggerates and heightens that that point that they're trying to make or that you know, or it surprises us in a way that we didn't expect in, in the way they set that thing up. And then that's what makes us laugh. And then they go back to that straight part of the story because that's what they need in order to recalibrate and reset up a shift and a heighten, a misdirection and a heighten. So it's a weird, it's a weird dance. And if you don't know that that's how it goes, you might think you have to always be funny or have to always be on the thing. And that's not how it works. It, the, the, the true craftspeople, the men and women who do comedy, it's like a dance between being dead serious 
and 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 really what because comedy is about struggles we're making fun of the fact that things aren't going well a lot of times so you're not only serious but you're like passionate about like this sucks you know like jerry seinfeld is as goofy as he is he's like you know i don't like the fact that this is happening i'm mad you know kind of a thing And, and, and you know we know he's not really but yet we're, you know, same with Bill Burr, who is legitimately angry at all the things he's talking about. But, but, but he, the laughter comes out of relieving the tension that he's set up through that serious anger. Okay, so we covered bait and switch, and we covered covered cut forward. I want to do another third one. I want to I want to do the um, funny specifics, which you kind of describe as I think sprinkles, like cut forward and bait and switch are more like heavier humor heightening devices, where funny specifics are like add ons to a bit. Yeah, the funny specifics are great. Like, okay, so I said um, um, there are words and phrases that just sound funny. I said, while you're busy looking for punchlines by heightening and yes anding the answers to the question, how blank is it? You're going to come across words and phrases that amuse you or are just funny to say and hear. Do yourself a favor and write them down so you can plug them into your jokes. You never know when you're going to have the chance to pepper those into your material, you know, with these funny sounding terms and descriptions. And, um, but you do that because you what, what it does is it, it sort of, like anytime you're more specific about anything, it's going to be funnier. So, you know, you could say um, there are a group of people that, that are in charge of making sure they're, you know, that, that people don't act out uh, in the hallway. Well, they're the nitwit, they're the nitwit patrol. <laughs> I can't even say it. They're the nitwit patrol. Well, that's funnier because it's given a funny specific and a name to those people. Anytime you do it, one of those world maps we talked about in that world map, are going to be funny specifics and they're only funny because you put them into a place that they're not expected because the level of detail that you're adding makes people laugh, you know, because you, you know, they think you're going to talk about a hamburger, but you say, uh, you know, a, a McCheese, uh, you know, whatever, a, a quarter pounder with cheese. So it's just funnier because it, it's now I can picture it more vividly. So funny specifics help you picture things, you know, uh, more vividly and they help um, paint a more vivid picture so that when you're just telling a story, now along the way, you're getting giggles just because I'm seeing that more clearly. So it wouldn't work in Wanda's bit if she said, hey, I can see the grocery store from here. It's more funny when she says, hey, I can see the IHOP. I could see the pancake restaurant from here. Like, isn't going to get a laugh. Yeah. IHOP is funny because like IHOPs like, are, are, exist where there's a lot of people. So she's landed, obviously, where it's very populated. So it, it, it now it's very funny because we see specifically what she's seeing. And we can also picture what an IHOP looks like. So we can see it more clearly than a, a diner, if she just said diner. But a diner would have stopped, probably got a laugh. But I can see the fucking IHOP from here. It gets a better laugh because now she's been very specific. You know, she's named him Bobby. So that's a funny specific. She, now she's not saying this kid, this kid, this kid, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Now we can picture the kid a little bit better. You know, what else does she use in there? Air Nanny. Air Nanny, when she says, do I look like the Air Nanny? Like that's a funny specific and a recognition laugh come together because now Air Marshall is a thing we all recognize. It's a funny specific about flying. If you did the world of flying, a world map, you know, air marshal would be part of it. And then now you've taken, you've done a frog bank and combined the fact that she, that, that she's expected to watch this kid, meaning being a nanny. And, and she's also, there's a, there's a role on the plane of for an air marshal. So she's combined those two together and made it the air nanny. And she's done it so quick 
it's almost it's just a throwaway for her, but it gets a laugh because we immediately recognize, oh, I get it. She's talking about being an air marshal, but really the nanny version of that. Ha ha ha. So it seems to say like as a writing technique, you should go through and look at your bid written out. And if you're seeing generic words like grocery store, replace them with Kroger. Or if you're seeing the generic city, replace it with Memphis. Or I guess that seems like low hanging fruit just to kind of go through your bits and add some funny specifics to where you see a general word. Exactly. And, that, and that's the thing where if you watch a lot of newer comedians, they don't do that or they haven't had time to do that yet. And so their act doesn't have the, that level of details in it. And then you watch somebody who's more of a pro comedian who's done their act more often, who's recorded it, who's listened, who's added those things in there. And and they'll have way more funny specifics and, and they'll get more laughs. And the newer comedian can't figure out why that same kind of joke isn't getting as much of a laugh in their world. And it's because, well, that guy is like that girl has has grabbed very funny specifics in there and and has peppered their act with it. And so but they're not really counting on them as being big laughs. They're just there. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like At the all. frosting on the cake. And it's not it's not even the frosting on the cake. It's the icing that says the name on it, you know, kind of a thing. And 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 it's not necessary to make a good cupcake, but boy, it sure makes it more, you know, personal and 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 more and, and in the case of a joke, way more funny, you know. So yeah, that's a great thing. That's a good suggestion, Chris. The idea of of taking your act that's written out and then going through there and going, well, where is it that I'm really general? Where am I saying tennis shoe when I could say Nike? You know, where am I saying uh, uh, he had a drink and I could be saying, you know, had a shot of espresso or whatever, you know, just the ways that you could be more specific. And, and then sometimes the funny part comes when you're so specific, like in improv, there'd be people that we would do scenes with. And because they, you know, you look like they were eating something and then, they, you know, I'm eating a strawberry cupcake in the, in the, um, you know, and, and the label is, is sticking to the bottom, you know, like there's a real, you know, like, like the, the audience begins to like, they like that. They, they enjoy that. They might not laugh out loud about it, but now when you're watching them in the scene, you're watching what they're doing with that cupcake. And then when they do, when you see them peel back, you know, the, um, container of it and then you watch them pick off the parts of it that, that you that they already said they didn't like and now we see them do it and then they you see them flick it and then someone else f- p- pulls it off the wall and eats it like that like, like that, that's the audience is watching all that and they love it and enjoy it even though that's not the main part of the scene or the story and it's the same for stand-ups like when you're doing a stand-up act there's so many opportunities to add those little details like you said wanda in there i'm i'm, I'm landing by an ihop i'm with a kid whose name is bobby i know his name now i'm 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 an air nanny i'm i'm you know so she's she's grabbing as many of these funny specifics as she can and throwing it in there so that it helps us see the picture more clearly and and, and it makes us laugh more so as i've been keeping my eye out for these heightening devices i've even noticed them in writing I've been reading a lot of David Sedaris, the humorist, humor writer lately, and I noticed he uses a ton of funny specifics. Uh, so, like, I, I pulled some right here for us. Uh, this one essay he writes, he talks about his grandmother who won't engage in nursing home activities. But he doesn't say the generic nursing home activities. He says she'd no longer square dance than join the Baptist ladies for a tour of the historic pantyhose factories of Winston-Salem. So even, like, Winston-Salem is even that even sounds funny as a funny specific. Brilliant. And, and it's much it's much more funny to picture an old person, you know, make make having to make those choices and then being asked to do those things. You know, it's funny. Yeah. And then and then I, in nursing home activities is not funny. Square dancing is funny. Right. Um, historic pantyhose factories vi- visiting that is funny. 
you know, of Winston-Salem. So now he's made it not just random factories, but the ones that are in this particular area. So it, it becomes funny because it's so particular. In the same essay, uh, David Starris talks about his grandmother didn't care if you changed the TV channel. But again, he doesn't use a generic TV channel. He says something like, she could go from the State of the Union address to a Bullwinkle cartoon without ever noticing the difference. Right? So she's showing. he's showing that this is true about her, not telling us that it's true about her. So now we now we can imagine what else you could get away with in front of this grandmother who doesn't notice stuff, you know, and, and, and it's really, um, those are very sp funny specifics. A Bullwinkle cartoon, I mean, you know, it's funny in the State of the Union address. It's, and that's a contrast between something political and serious to something cartoony and silly. And, and she doesn't notice that that's even changed. You know, it's funny. Yeah, Sedaris is great for that. And he's his like what I love about his writing is there's just so many elements of truth to it. And so even though that might not have happened to him, there might not have been a Bullwinkle cartoon and a State of the Union address that right. that that was competing with her attention. Um, but but it, it makes his point and it's truthful because the truth of that is like, you know, how not distracted or how not paying attention to the details is she right that she's answering that question so much so that you could do this to her and she wouldn't notice. And then um, how little does she enge enjoy engaging with the nursing home activities? Well, she'd sooner do this than that, you know, kind of thing. So so using those funny specifics to answer that question. Again, you're heightening, you're flexing, and that's why we get to laugh. So I have one more David Sedaris bit, and I want you to tell me which heightening devices are are, are being used here, because I, I find it funny, but I can't quite understand why it's funny. So there's another bit about how he has obsessive-compulsive disorder when he was younger, and he did some weird things in, in school, like lick, lick the light switch or lick the pencil sharpener. And so the scene is he's home in, home in his kitchen and his mom gets a letter from the teacher and his mom asks, have you been leaving your seat to lick the light switch? My mom asks. She placed the letter upon the table and lit a cigarette. Once or twice, I said. I don't know. Who's counting? Well, your goddamn math teacher, for one. That's her job to count. What do you think? She's not going to notice? And later on, he talks about like, well, maybe she was just confused with the other boy who leaves his seat to lick the pencil sharpener. That's very likely, I said. She's old. There are spots on her hands. How many? My mom asked. So why is that funny? I found that really an entertaining bit, but I don't understand why, what, what techniques are, are, are at play here. Like a lot of what's happening in this stuff is very funny specifics. Um, a lot of it is very, um, we know who he is. He's, he's sort of, um, I believe he's sort of like a neurotic... Um, kid who's very like like Seinfeld, very self conscious of the details and 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 what they mean emotionally, and so when we know that about him, and he's he establishes that very early on, like we laugh at the fact that that these things are important to him. That there's even a, a conversation about licking the light switch or licking or, or or like there's another kid that does the the um, pencil sharpener. Like like, and so what's funny about this to me is the way his mother's handling it. She's not screaming and she's not going crazy. She's kind of overstating the obvious. So this is what you're doing and this is how it's going. Well, maybe it's this right. or that. And so when you overstate the obvious, it's, it's a really good um, heightening device. You're, you're basically pretend to discover something about the setup that's actually very obvious to everyone. So you're, you're acting as though something is like, like worth saying and pointing out 
because no one else is seeing it and pointing it out yet, even though it's something that we all have seen and could point out because it's obvious. But when you say it and you over explain almost the obvious, it becomes funny, you know, but, you, you know, like, like that's what overstating the obvious is. You just begin to talk about the things that are very obvious to everyone, but you say it so much and you point it out as if it's like this big revelation. You know who's like that? Uh, Peggy Hill on The King of the Hill. She'll overstate the obvious all the time. And she'll say things like, you know, it, uh, it's a device that cools the, uh, the room uh, electronically, or as I like to call it, an air conditioner. And so, you know, and it's like, like th there's, a, there's an element of that where you're like, yeah, no, duh. But it's funny because she's saying it as if she's, you know, she's discovering it herself. And so David Sedaris seems to do a lot of that. You know, he, he's very great at, at um, you know, overstating things that, that are obvious. And then by adding those funny specifics in there, we laugh at the recognition of it. So, so what technique is at play when he says, you know, once or twice, I said, I don't know, who's counting? Well, you're a goddamn math teacher for one. That's a play on words. That's, you know, who's counting? He's saying it as if, like, who's paying attention to that? And she's like saying rhetorical. literally, your math teacher is counting, you know. <laughs> um, so so I'm, I'm thinking of the word counting as one, two, three, four, five. And he's like, who's who's paying attention? She's like, you know, right. well, the guy whose job it is to do the thing you just said is, you know. So that's, that's a, again, a play on words. But it's um it's it's a funny, there's a truth element to that that doesn't feel cheap because, it's a mother trying to discipline her son. And that's, you know, one way that she's doing it by, by going, you just said the thing, you know, kind of. I noticed also he makes that comment about she being old and having spots in her hand. And then the mother calls back the how many bit. Right now that's a call back to counting. The whole thing idea is that, you know, all right, we're, um, you know, we're talking about counting so let's let's you know be, you know call that back as a concept and but again he shows it doesn't tell it he doesn't say how money my mother asks referring to the fact that I, you know we're counting you know it, right. either get it or you don't it either it's either fun or not that she's again concerned about this you know the math teacher is, is counting you should be counting oh we should all be counting that's the whole class is about counting this whole story is about counting you can count on it Funny how you're like opening my lens to see the heightening devices everywhere. I feel like I'm like the guy from a beautiful mind that just sees conspiracy code everywhere. Right. It's I, I think it's fantastic because it really makes you appreciate what these comedians can do. They're they're not only using these humor heightening devices, but they're using a combination of them and they're doing it so quickly and so cleverly and um, without like any seeming effort. It's just like boom. And all of a sudden, you've got a callback, a, 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 a contrast, three funny specifics, and you've got a metaphor. And it's all in one thing. And it's and, and a lot of times, they're not doing that. They're not saying, I'm going to take a metaphor, and I'm going to mix it up with the thing. It happens, and then you go back and sort of reverse engineer it and, and say, oh, that's what I did. But a lot of this stuff comes very naturally to people who are organically funny. And the whole purpose of my books is to begin to show people who aren't organically funny what's happening in the brain of someone who is so you can begin to cognitively imitate it and then you can 
like somebody who's just learning a, a new skill that you're not good at, just slowly work those muscles till they get better at it. And you may never, like, you know, you, you might never play tennis with Serena Williams, but you can learn enough to play, you know, back to back with your friend and then have fun with it and go, well, I'm a, I, I play tennis, I'm a tennis player. It was the same with being funny. You can practice these heightening devices. You can practice, you know, misdirecting people and then, you know, satisfying that same setup with something that's exaggerated. And then you'll get better at it. And then when you get better, better at it, they start to occur to you naturally the way it does for us organic comics. But I tell you what, the organic comedians hate the idea that there's a book that will tell people how to do that because it's kind of like, you know, it's an insult to anyone who who it comes naturally to, to think that it can be done, you know, uh, cognitively, you know, with, with, with step-by-step effort. But it's like, well, you can do anything like that. You can learn how to play guitar, the piano, the harp. You can, you can learn how to do a bow and arrow with that. You can swing a golf club exactly and 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 you know somebody who sucked at golf can actually get pretty good and you can sometimes you find out you're better at it than you thought you just didn't know how to do it and then once you figure out how to do it it just starts to come natural and some of these heightening devices you know you can find out you're pretty good at doing these things and you're like oh i didn't know that that's what they were doing okay and then you start doing them more and then since the books have 36 humor heightening devices it doesn't get boring it doesn't get to be like the same thing i'm doing contrast over and over again no i got a whole bunch of different ways to heighten that thing Honest David Sedaris, one I brought to you today was a different essay. It was about his sister knowing a prostitute. And instead of saying something like, I was surprised my sister knew a prostitute, Sedaris will say, I would have been less shocked had a seal called my sister by first name. And and, I, and it's like, you know, how shocked am I? I, you know, that this is how shocked I am. It, you know, it, it this would have shocked me more. That's how, you know, and, and, and it's, they're, again, very funny specifics, funny metaphors, funny contrast david sedaris has um a very active imagination when he's trying to paint pictures and he's trying to show us the the um the weird and funny parts of his life yes that was my funny specifics i brought from david sedaris i wanted to show you one of my own work on the book i'm working about on about the colorado trail the editor gave back to me some feedback and the one section i'm talking about how like you're getting away from your phones and social media and being on the trail where you have no cell phone service is good for your brain. And I wrote, my brain didn't feel, didn't feel as frazzled, but then I rewrote and made funny specifics. Instead of saying brain is frazzled, I said, my brain no longer felt like a pinball machine mixed with six shots of espresso and itching powder. Right. Now you've shown what, what, what feel frazzled is telling you. And and Yeah. yeah, that's what, that's what editors are great at is they're able to tell you those areas where you you're telling. And sometimes we don't realize how often we tell. Sometimes you need to tell. Sometimes just for to, to, to get through it, you need to tell some things. But for the most part, what I learned about writing is that readers really enjoy putting those things together themselves. They enjoy reading that second sentence and going, oh, he must be frazzled. I get it. And that's that's part of what's fun about reading. I didn't realize that's true. <laughs> I thought if I gave it to them, it saves them time, saves us energy, and Jesus will get through this book quicker. And it's like, no, that's not that's not why I read. I read because I like to do those mental um, gymnastics that you set me up to do, and then you set me up to win because I, I get to, in my brain, picture that thing that you hinted at instead of trying to like see the thing you told me about. <laughs> 